Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I do not understand. Why is this spot not doable for pickup? I am good to go. I say again, I am good to go now. Burnett! Zero six. You are a combat naval aviator. Start acting like one. You've been shot down. Life is tough. I'm very sorry. But you pull yourself together. You do whatever it takes. Create some angles between you and your pursuers. Use your training. Use your head. Evade and survive. And we will bring you home. Do you understand? We will bring you home. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello, and welcome to Syndicates, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to episode 5. This season, we are exploring the hidden gems of films, or films you probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Josh. Josh, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Awesome. Me too. And I'm really excited to talk about the movie for today. Currently, Josh is a business analyst for a technology company here in the Chicago area. Today, we are going to deep dive and discuss the ramifications of war and touch on the plights of the people of former Yugoslavia. For today's film, recommendation is Behind Enemy Lines. Josh, what did you think about Behind Enemy Lines? Well, I think it's an interesting movie. Definitely oh, yeah. not one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. To say I enjoyed it would would be an exaggeration, frankly. I, I've, wow. <laughs> I, not to be critical or get into the details, this obviously isn't me reviewing the movie, but off the top of my head, the only thing I could think of during the movie's low points, which there were a few that I can think of very easily, I couldn't help but stray towards better movies about conflict better mm-hmm. movies about warfare better movies about war is hell right. um behind enemy lines it feels like it's trying to drag you through the war is hell uh idea mm. okay instead of kind of taking you through it coincidentally and mm. in my experience movies i've seen where i'm really immersed in like the story really immersed in the context of what's going on yeah war is hell is serendipity it's not, uh, here we are, we took you to war as hell. Isn't war hell? It's, oh God, all these things are happening. People are trying to live their lives and war is happening around them. It's come to them or they've come to it right. and they haven't realized just how bad it is until they're here. Think Full Metal Jacket, for example. Mm-hmm. Like Full Metal Jacket is war as hell, but you're not greeted with war as hell. Instead, the character is brought to it and he only realizes war as hell 
after the movie gets going, after momentum gets moving. War as Hell is the background. It's right. the context. So that's just to open up my first thoughts about Beyond Enemy Lines. Like that, that kind of like plagued the entire experience, unfortunately. Mm. Just the kind of like, I feel like I could be watching something else. <laughs> right. So you're saying that Behind Enemy Lines, from like a filmmaking standpoint, focuses more on the backdrop and not the characters and like better films such as full metal jackets focuses on the character. And then coincidentally the background is the war. I think that's a fair way to put it behind me lines feels like the director didn't quite know how to find that balance between, I want to tell a character story, but I also want to show how war is hell. Right. It's as if throughout the movie, there was this kind of stumble between both mm-hmm. like, Oh, we're talking about the, the travesties and, uh, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yes. Um, and then we're stumbling over on how Owen Wilson needs to learn his lesson. It's just like, well, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, are we, are we, are we developing character or are we talking about war as hell? Okay. I guess we're doing, Oh, went no. And it's just like, <laughs> every time you tried getting a sense of footing of what the movie was trying to go, right. it jumped to the next thing. So it was, mm-hmm. it was, it felt like an odd child between a Bruce Willis action movie and a saving private Ryan. Yeah. That's kind of it. It couldn't decide whether it wanted to be a lock stock and guns blazing war movie mm-hmm. or a gritty realistic tale of war as hell. It really could not decide that. That's what it felt like. I mean, yeah, I could totally, because while I was watching it, I was, there's so many sequences where it's like, this is exciting, all these action set pieces. Absolutely. But the actual story is kind of set to the side. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it is an action movie. I think that's the problem, though, is that you watch, if you want to watch an action movie, you watch Die Hard. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch a story movie that's set in war, you watch Full Metal Jacket, Saving Private Ryan, Platoon, um, there's there's a variety of really good war movies. You want a movie, a war movie that's really really philosophical. You can watch Apocalypse Now. There's just a lot of movies out there that focus on the theme of warfare so much better. This mm. one just felt like it could not decide, mm. and that really rubbed me the wrong way in terms of in, in terms of like everything because it did have some really cool special effects and i will say yeah. that was probably my favorite parts of the movie was when it showed off some really great practical special effects mm-hmm. um top of mind's favorite scene would probably be the ejection scene towards the beginning right when they're flying over the no-fly zone mm-hmm. and you know they're being chased by the missiles it wasn't the you know the choppy cgi missiles from the early 2000s that was exciting was exciting was the ejection and the quick shots of the internal parts of the jet coming apart and Mm -hmm. burning up and all the stuff like that like whoa they put a lot of effort into this this is really really neat oh yeah and uh before we really get into the movie a thing we like to do at syndicate is the 60 second elevator pitch Please stand clear of the so I've been there, you've been there, okay. recommending a movie to a friend, and they ask you, well, what's the movie about? So I'm going to give you 60 seconds to pretty much summarize the movie without major spoilers of Behind Enemy Lines, and go. Owen Wilson is a ace fighter pilot outside the neutral zone of war-torn Bosnia and Herzegovina during a peak of a bloody conflict. Told to stay off, he uh, this this cut loose fighter pilot just is thirsty for action, but isn't isn't really getting what he wants. But and that's until he breaks the rules, and it will cost him everything, including hard lesson. It's- wow. Under 30 seconds. Oh, geez. I'm just terrible at keeping track of time. Um, no, that's, that's, that, that summarizes it essentially what yeah. the movie's about. I mean, it's a very simplistic movie. Like, yeah. the plot isn't very deep. Like, I, even though. I was wanting for more. That's really what it comes down to. Right. You know, the ironic thing is, is that the whole Bosnian conflict and the breakup of Yugoslavia is such a complicated yes. issue. Well, that's the thing that, that, culturally got me as well that more as well i'm like there are not enough movies or shows or historical focuses on the breakup of yugoslavia mm-hmm. on that whole messy conflict in bosnia right. and herzegovina and 
the fact this movie <laughs> focused on it, I think, is both humorous and sad. Because when you get a movie that had enough of a budget to get Gene Hackman and Owen Wilson in the right. same screen, mm-hmm. yet they made it a kind of drunken stumble between an action movie and a war thriller. And they actually filmed the movie in Slovakia. They did. They did. I, I read that on yeah. the Wikipedia article. They got <laughs> the budget to film on on site, uh-huh. on, on location. Like there's a lot of places where they're filming where they're concerned about, you know, toxicity of the land from the war and for those that don't know about the whole yugoslavian uh, conflict in the 90s to put it very very simply uh, yugoslavia was a socialist state and the breakup occurred after the death of the first president tito in 1980 and this led to an economic collapse uh, racial tensions between the serbs uh, the Bosnians, the Bosniaks. There were Bosnians and Bosniaks, and the Bosniaks were Muslims. Jeez, like, it was it was a mess. <laughs> there were like three or four different groups that were all they all had different agendas. It was a massive civil war. Yeah, and it broke into six nation states of Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia Herzegovina, uh, Slovenia, Montenegro, uh, Macedonia. Yeah, like it was. Rough. And, and I'm a huge history buff, so you know I tip my hat at some of the dialogue that pointed out the complexity of the conflict mm-hmm. like the nato commander who was saying we've been here for five years yeah. can you tell the difference can your man tell the difference between a bosnian a croatian and a bosniak uniform because i've been here five years and i can't and it's like that was one of the many complexities of that conflict was it mm-hmm. was a massive civil war that nato forces basically stepped their boot right into trying to calm things down yep. and they failed and they had to pull out peacefully and kind of just look the other way. And that's around the time that those atrocities started happening mm-hmm. was as soon as the NATO forces start stepping away. Yeah. Like a big theme of the movie, even though like it is kind of like a, like a shoot 'em up action movie. <laughs> like it's still conveyed. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's still conveyed because so the main character, uh, Owen Wilson, who plays uh Chris Burnett, aka Yeah, Burnett, that was it. Yeah. Chris I, Burnett. I, that's how engaged I was in the story was I forgot his name. I only reason the only name I remembered a hundred percent was his co pilot Stackhouse. Yeah. Just because the name is memorable. Stackhouse. And his call sign was Longhorn. <laughs> oh, God. It's just, just, make a, just make a Top Gun movie, for God's sakes. Like, don't even shy away. It felt like a Top Gun clone. Yeah. As part of it. Like the I was very- getting those vibes. Yeah. Like, I felt like, I was like, okay, this is like my generation's Top Gun. Because, like, we were born after Top Gun, like, that was the 80s. And this was, like, 2001. So we were kids when this movie came out. So this was like, oh, our Top Gun. What's interesting is I wonder how they would have produced this movie differently if it was post 9-11 produced. I looked at the date specifically of when it came out, and it came Uh out November of 2001. Mm -hmm. So that means, given the average production life cycle of a movie, that they were probably producing it in 1999, 2000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 9-11 had happened by the time they released it, and all the filming was done. So it leads me to wonder, like, what would have been different about this movie, about a historical period, Mm -hmm had it been filmed or produced in a post 9-11 America, yeah. you know, could they have gone over to Yugoslavia? Would there have been a lot of tension about making a war movie, about making a war movie about a soldier getting shot down right. in enemy territory and almost killed by essentially what would some, some uncomfortable parallels could be drawn mm-hmm. to say the least. Yeah. And let's get into it. So this movie like you said, it was probably filmed in 1999, and then it was released in uh, November of 2001, so mere months after the terrorist attacks in yep. New York. Yep, yep. So I felt this movie it was kind of like a linchpin in like what <clears throat> movies were like right before 9/11. 9/11. Yeah, because right after 9/11. The enemy of the nation, like the like the subconscious like enemy, like switched from like Eastern Europeans, former to, Soviet Union, to uh, Muslim uh, Islamic terrorists. Right, right. The uh, the a- the age of terrorism. Mm-hmm. The age of terrorism became a big, a big, big cultural focus. Um, and you're right about that. Now that I think about it. Like I hate to reference it so much, but you think Die Hard and the 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 the, the you know. The criminals in Die Hard that hijacked the tower 
they're Eastern Europeans. Yep. Hans Gruber. <laughs> yeah, they're they're for, they're for, they're former Soviet citizens probably or some I don't know enough about diehard, but I know they're Eastern Europeans. Right. And they're mercenaries and they're uh-huh. there to make money and they're there to rob and kidnap and err and simplistic two-dimensional bad guy stuff. Yeah. And you know, like side note about diehard, even after, you know, 2001 they still stuck to their guns about going after Eastern Europeans and Russians, especially in, I think it was Live Free and Die Hard. I, I think, yippee Mother Russia. Fun fact, uh-huh. when I was looking at the Wikipedia article for the director, he actually he made that movie as well. Really? For real. I am not, I, I wish I was joking. <laughs> he made, he made Live Free, Die Hard, 2013. Uh-huh. And he also made um, the Fly of the Phoenix remix. Not right. remix, the remix. <laughs> Damn, that Fly of, the Fre- <laughs> Flight of the Phoenix remix, though. Um, yeah, no, he made the remake of yeah. the Flight of the Phoenix, which I thought was an okay movie. That was pretty good. It was, it was okay. It was all right. It was okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the director, John Moore. Um, Irish. Irish man. He's Irish, yeah. So, he... Learned a lot from Wikipedia. What? <laughs> Learn a lot from Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't have like a lucrative career outside of, uh, you know, uh, Die Hard and uh, the Flight of the Phoenix remake. His career was very lackluster. Uh-huh. I, I, like, again, referencing Wikipedia, he had a very, very like, like the amount of movies he's made is like five or six. Right. Over the course of like 20 some years, like, man. And you would think after a movie like Star Stone with... Owen Wilson and Gene Hackman. Owen Wilson. You know what's funny about Owen Wilson is that aside from his, aside from his, wow, wow, <laughs> he didn't even say wow in this movie. He did a couple times. Really? Was- well, he he maybe he just like mixed it in with his like temper tantrum in the beginning. Like, why are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're eating Jello. <laughs> Anyways, so Owen Wilson. So he's known for being, you know pretty much best friends with uh wes anderson yeah like he's in almost every wes anderson film and in uh 2001 he was in two other movies besides behind enemy lines he was in zoolander (laughs) and he was in the royal tenenbaums so (laughs) the royal tenenbaums zoolander and then behind enemy lines three totally different movies what a portfolio (laughs) (laughs) that man has range (laughs) (laughs) yeah he has wow or wow (laughs) (laughs) so this was owen wilson's um first action movie and even was it really it was yeah he felt a weird taking on the role but he wanted to take on the role and i do appreciate his portrayal of the main character because he could have been like Bruce Willis, like a meathead, like, yeah, let's do it. But that's not him. Like he doesn't have the stature for it and he doesn't have the personality for it. So he played it as the every man. And I think that was a smart choice. Yeah. I will say one of the interesting things I read about this movie, mm-hmm. they got sued over this movie and the eventual sequels they created. Really? Yeah. They got sued by the guy who lived this yes actually yeah 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 you probably have his name written down <laughs> <laughs> so the film is loosely based on scott o'grady yep 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 he was uh he was captain of the the navy so he was shot down over bosnia and evaded the bosnian serbs for over a week behind enemy lines before and, being rescued and i think this is a good segue into another theme of the movie can, can we can we move to that yeah, of yeah. course this is a good segue into a theme that was one of the themes that I was like, oh man, this would have been a great movie if, if it had decided to be a movie that had that backdrop of war as hell. Mm-hmm. If it decided to be a movie that was about gritty survivalism mm-hmm. and about being out there by yourself and stranded and stuck and trying your best. In my mind, that is like one of the saving graces of this movie is those choice scenes where he's trying to survive, where he's crawling through the mud, yep. where he's like going from tree to tree and he's trying to like hide and survive essentially. Like I wanted more of that. That to me, mm. some movies that have done that are like their choice yeah. because they show the human condition. They show acting, they show like human struggle and they right. make you really feel for the character and they create a level of tension 
that when it's pulled off is just so so good mm-hmm. um some of the scenes and again this was me internally like thinking i could be watching a different movie right now <laughs> but even during those scenes i felt that because i could think of why wasn't the rest of the movie like this when he's crawling through the mud and breathing hard looking around and the camera's yeah. like jumping everywhere as, as the guys in the background are like following him the Cro- the croatian or serbian militia uh-huh. i thought of dunkirk oh right right yeah the entire dumb movie at dunkirk survival movie mm-hmm. and that's what the main characters or characters are trying to do they're trying to survive yeah and that's what it felt like if there was more of that that would have saved this movie like in my mind a hundred percent yeah and i i agree with you that's those scenes so in the movie um owen wilson uh veers off course after a routine patrol and he gets shot down by uh lanta air missile and he miraculously survives and then after he survives he has to survive in bosnia war-torn bosnia so i think if there's more scenes of that act where he's like trying to live and outrun both the militia and you know to get back home like that would be amazing and that's why a survival movie that's why i included in in this season is because of those scenes like the rest of the movie is kind of like it's okay but like the scenes where he's like evading the uh, nico bellic from gta 4 <laughs> ah, i was just thinking about that i'm like all right well you got you got you got the um you know representative adidas here around. <laughs> gonna snipe you and he's just like he's just like i i merely thought like i couldn't help but laugh when uh you know owen wilson like swapped his body with somebody else's really which i thought was really like lame but that's not even there. <laughs> but later on in the movie when that happens and he like checks he's like oh he's got the same tattoo as me when he pulled it back i immediately thought like you were gonna see the adidas logo stamped on his <laughs> you see that that is a nike logo that's his i logo. i have adidas three stripes we're from separate prisons <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i wish there was more uh, scenes like that yeah more survival like that really because i watched this around the time when it came out so i was like young and oh uh, movies like this are always way better when you're young oh yeah like revisiting you this have, i'm like better memories of them because <laughs> i had such fond memories of watching this when i was a kid i was like whoa this is like gritty war movie it's like yeah. one of my first war movies yeah and then looking back at it now it's like oh yeah it's not terrible but it's not the best it's just kind of i i i have a movie that i think of every time i have that experience what the experience of like here's a movie i saw when i was you know really young and i remember being really cool and great i really enjoyed as a kid Mm -hmm. and then when i watch it as an adult i'm just like you know a balloon deflating slowly as i watch it because i'm like oh this isn't that good (laughs) the movie i think of every time is league of extraordinary gentlemen oh boy yeah because when I watched it as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. This is great. Wow. You know, really good quality, really great special effects. And oh, it's really interesting. But now I watch it as an adult and I'm like, this is bad. This is really bad. Oh no. This is bad. Like, how'd you get Sean Connery and you just botched the entire movie? Like, there's so many things wrong with that movie. But that's, that, that's what I think of. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Behind Me Lines was just an early extraordinary gentleman, at least to me because i think i remember watching him like way back as well like seeing glimpses of it. i didn't watch the entire movie but. yeah i think it would have been better if sean connery was in the movie he was like oh, yes gosh. yes he's the nato commander but then, you, but then gene hackman wouldn't be able to do what he did sean connery would have just intimidated him too much listen you can't you can't do that i'll show you <laughs> <laughs> but, all right anyways uh chris burnett's Yep. His, his character was very interesting to me because he embodied a very specific soldier and a very yep. specific soldier of the time pre 9-11, which was he was just patrolling, keeping the peace, like a peacekeeper, not Our part of the international like mandate of NATO and UN to like, yeah. try and prevent things like uh, Rwanda from happening, yeah. essentially pretty much someone that's not in an active war yep. 
And what he said in the beginning of the movie in the first act was, um, that really stood out to me was everyone thinks they're going to punch a Nazi in Normandy. Yeah. 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 I remember that was, that was actually a pretty good, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good focus on the, on the time. Yeah. And the bravado people had. It's like when you join the military, it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, fight tyranny and do all these things. And then the actuality. And they saw is, it that way to you. Yeah. And I think that was because of post 9 11. They probably recut it to be like, like, yeah, America, we have, you know, the most powerful army. No one can stop us. <laughs> Join now, enlist. It's like you fly cool jets and do other cool stuff. It's right. Like, okay. And those days are over. Like, there's there's no more Nazis. There's no, like, there's evil no empire. Evil, yeah. 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 It's just, like, these proxy wars all around the world that we're just kind of, like, managing and making sure they're not, like, getting out of hand. I, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, militaristically, like, my, my historical brain, my love of history cringed quite a few times. But my what I know of the military from my military family, mm-hmm. not from my own experience, of course, you know, I was never in, never served. But from my military family, going back years, um, there were so many times things that were just wrong. So many things that were just like, no, there's no way this would have happened. He would have gotten court-martialed. He would have gotten <laughs> court-martialed. He would have been suspended. He would have been put in the brig. Um they would have had a helicopter come pick him up and okay, cool. You don't want to be out here. Get out then. You're, you're, you're a danger to everyone around you because wow. you're reckless. Um, I mean, wow. Like, 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 wow, wow. Court Marshall. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I mean that alone, like there's a lot of things I could ignore, but I just couldn't ignore that. That at the end of the movie, they're like, yeah. And then, um, Beckett was his name. The, the one Owen Wilson played. Uh, Chris Burnett. Burnett Beckett. Jeez. Uh, it like may- Beckett. Maybe thinking of, uh, uh, you know, Burnett, you know, at the end they give like this, this like, as though it's based on a true story. Um, this whole story of like, oh, and then, uh, Burnett stayed in the military after all and everything was fine. I'm like, in the real world, no, he would not. He would have been court martialed the moment he got back on that ship. He would have been <laughs> dragged away in cuffs. You destroyed a piece of military hardware. You directly disobeyed an order. Uh-huh. You got one of your uh, fellow soldiers killed for no reason. You costed, you, you endangered the lives of the entire vessel, essentially, because yeah. we had to send somebody, we had to send people out to save you, and we had to compromise. I, like, all the things the NATO commander was telling Gene Hackman was true. By us doing this, we are threatening the situation. We are possibly opening up a massive war inflaming a civil war into something that would be a massive conflict that would affect the rest of the region. Like so many things are wrong with that, that I was just mm-hmm. like, like internal screeching. <laughs> but Josh, you don't understand. We have to get our boy back. That was, yeah, that was so dumb. So dumb. I just could not suspend my belief. Like, you know, when you think of movies like this, someone always chimes in and says, oh, just, just suspend your belief. No, the movie has to decide whether it's going to be Die Hard or whether it's going to be a gritty war film. It can't be both, especially right. when it completely says, like, oh, no, we're just going to completely disregard that in the real world or anything remotely close to it. This guy would have been would have been abandoned. It's, it's crappy to say, but you put yourself in a bad situation the military is not going to expend every single ounce of energy to save you, especially if you're in a situation where you being there at all could inflame an international crisis. Like it's just, it's fiction. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I, 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 I know this from stories I've heard and yeah. stories my father would tell and my grandfather would tell. And mm-hmm. just the kind of idea of like, if you're stuck behind enemy lines by your own making, it's your responsibility to get out there unless unless you are carrying the president of the united states or a general of the army there's no reason they're going to send an entire like brigade or an entire helicopter or an entire ship out to save one person that just doesn't make sense yeah and that's why in the real life event of scott yes. o'grady he was out there for a, a week exactly and he had to get to the rendezvous point they're like you need to get here far like, we, out we, yeah we can't pick you up we can't like bust he, in he had to go to a neutral zone yeah i've been greeted neutral zone where it wouldn't seem that suspicious for them to come in and pick him up mm-hmm. just just imagine that 
yeah, he had to go. He like if you I read a little bit of uh, O'Grady's story mm-hmm. and and connection to this. And the amount of distance he went is insane. Like he had to live on berries. He ran out of water. He couldn't find fresh water. He almost got found out multiple times. Damn. Um, you know, when he was near his uh, 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 plane, he had to like hide in bushes and mud. And they knew he was in the area. So they would just wow. open fire randomly and like machine gun like an entire hillside or a forest just in hopes of like flushing him out. Like they knew he was there, like they were following him. And that yeah. is such an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And I wish by God that was told on screen <laughs> instead. <laughs> just, hey, it's not too late. And they, I mean, if they give sperm, I mean, he, he had, that's leads into what I mentioned earlier. He sued, like, I can't remember if it was the movie studio or the director himself, but he sued them because yeah. he felt the story was just completely misrepresented. Yeah. Like his main thing was like, oh, Owen Wilson's not like me. He swore. I never swear. Okay. That- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure one of his big points was how reckless he was. Like, it's just, it's an action movie. It's right. an action movie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, 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 like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the director, you know, wherever he may be. Took a hat, uh-huh. cut up a bunch of pieces of paper with like random conflicts in the last hundred years written out on them, <laughs> bounced the hat around, and then he reached into it and said, Oh, the Yugos, the break of Yugoslavia. That sounds pretty interesting. All right, cool. <laughs> and I'll make a movie on that. What's it about? Who? Yeah. All these, uh, oh, you know, they're, they're bad. They're like Russians. Oh, what, what bad thing are they doing? Are they committing atrocity? Cool. Let's go on with that. It's like, okay. <laughs> so let's talk about uh the budget of the movie the so budget. yeah the budget okay so watching the movie you can tell that they had access to an aircraft carrier two jets two actual military equipment to make this movie yep like being all being on location yeah like like they spent i think it was around 40 million which is a nice chunk of change. So I think what helped was the whole uh, presentation of the material it, it's to a, get access to all that military stuff. He had, I'll give that to him, the director had a very, very edible plot. Yeah. A very safe, edible plot. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm a big critic of Hollywood and the fact that a lot of the movies they often make the ones that get the most funding are the ones that have very safe, popularly accepted plots. Yep. It's just, it's just the way they work there. Yeah. You're going to get funding if they know you're going to get results mm-hmm. and nothing gets results. Like a, a cheesy war movie about a guy flying a jet and having <laughs> to, having to like escape baddies. So let me tell you something that you might know for the CIA. They have something called the entertainment liaison. And with this uh, liaison, they're like, okay, we'll give you access to, you know, Humvees or tanks or, you know, uh, the USS Indianapolis, but you'll have to adhere to certain guidelines and we have to look over your script and make sure you're not saying anything bad about the military. And I think as I was watching this movie, I had those thoughts. I was like, they have access to, at the time state-of-the-art technology you were just thinking the goddamn cia has touched this all over it they just 
they just rub their dirty hands. I always go. <laughs> like it felt like a giant recruitment movie for the Navy. I, I mean, that's what Top Gun is. Yeah. Let's do it, Goose. <laughs> it's like, oh, put on, um, what, what was it called? Um, oh, shoot, Highway to the Danger Zone. Just yeah. put on Highway to the Danger Zone, just blast that shit, and you know, everyone will want to join the Navy. The Danger Zone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's get those Serbians. Let, let's ignore the fact that like only like I think like 5% of Navy recruits ever actually get to fly. <laughs> really? <laughs> Very few people get chosen to be like a jet pilot wow. like it's super rare to be a pilot you have to go through so many things wow. and you just might not get chosen hey even owen wilson wasn't chosen our main character he wasn't the pilot he was the co-pilot he was the guy in the back <laughs> i mean i mean shoot after he did something that basically would have gotten anybody court-martialed i can see i can see why <laughs> hey let's uh let's go over there okay that that was totally unbelievable to me that his pilot so lackadaisically went along with it. Hey, let's violate a direct order. <laughs> why well, why we're out? Well, think about it. So in the beginning of the movie, uh, Owen Wilson is like pretty much yearning for an actual conflict. Like, oh, let's go. Like, oh, this is so boring. The monotony and he's, of every day. He's leaving. So that makes it more unbelievable, though. Is that he's leaving? He's already put in like his form to discharge. Yeah, and. The admirals accepted it. Gene Hackman accepted it. Like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to hold on to this. And yeah, well, you'll be out of here before you know it. And, you know, his pilot was going to stay in. Mm-hmm. Why would his pilot so lackadaisically like, no, we shouldn't do that. Oh, all right. Like, <laughs> well, bro, they, they saw this some- guy's leaving. He has no stake in the game anymore. <laughs> right. They saw something weird on their radar. They're like, oh, you know, we're patrolling. Let's see what it is. And what they uncovered was a Serbian militia yep. like i think they're in the demilitar demilitarized zone like they weren't supposed to be there so they took pictures with their fancy digital camera which was pretty cool which by the way they didn't know that's what it was they saw military equipment a lot of movement but they didn't know what they were doing down there right. until of course he stumbles through the bodies and everything like that he's like oh yeah. so after owen wilson is shot down by the bosnian forces he is on the run from uh one of the commanders of that militia because they can't afford to have an american be alive because then the american forces are going to come and rescue him then they're going to discover what they're actually doing and so they have to kill him so they're hunting him down and while he's evading their gunfire and their uh, cars and all that stuff he stumbles upon a mass grave and in that grave are it's not really spelled out in the movie but any type of research will bring you to the conclusion that uh bosnia was doing some ethnic cleansing of their people yeah those women children the old and Mm -hmm. men of course were in there too but it yeah yeah the 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 history is very very gruesome like i actually found a really cool documentary it's on my watch list now really yeah what is it it's it has like three different names because it was produced by a um film studio in bosnia Mm. quite a few years after the whole conflict and it got funding from a central european film council and i think like some other organizations like funded as well but it's a documentary from a woman who was held captive by the militia really and she has her entire story from the time the war yugoslavia broke up all the way to the end of it and through her eyes you kind of get to see the conflict it's really really terrible um that's why i watch this because it's like it's won like numerous awards and it's like considered one of the most comprehensive like understandings like or oral histories of that conflict that's amazing well (laughs) when you figure out the name be sure to add that in i definitely will but i what did you think of the way they treated the atrocities though that's a big part of that conflict historically i flinched and cringed at how it was handled because it was just handled as like a few little flashbacks and him crawling through some bodies and it's just like oh that's it it's like no like the, the atrocities in that conflict were happening almost all throughout it and for it to be downplayed in a couple scenes, it's just like, okay, you're just kind of using it as like a high and by. So look how bad this is. <laughs> I would say 
given the time period it was uh, filmed. So it was filmed around 1999. So they probably wrote it around 1998, which would have been three years after uh, the Scott O'Grady conflict or incident where he was shot down. And then it was discovered that the Bosnians were massacring a very specific um, people group, Muslims. They're trying to uh, clear them all out of their land. And they ended up killing 64,000 of them. Yeah, it was a massacre. And they set up concentration camps and estimates put it, um, the Muslim population in uh, that area dropped by 100%. It's intense. It's very intense. It's, it's, it's just, it's kind of surprising how much it was bungled in mm-hmm. terms of using it. Yeah. I'm not using it. That's a bad way to put it. But portraying it. Portraying it. Given how fresh, because I, I get what you're saying that, oh, well, it was really recent and that conflict tied up by the time this movie was getting produced. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But I will contest that by saying that it was still fresh in America's mind how much we bungled our involvement or lack thereof in the Rwanda crisis. Yeah. Because Rwanda was already a few years past by the time this was put together. And that was kind of on a similar scale. We stepped right. away and we were within sight, within essentially smelling distance mm-hmm. of a major international crisis of ethnic cleansing. And yeah. either we sat back and decided to do nothing because of political risk and game of gamification, mm-hmm. or because we didn't want to get our noses bloody ourselves. I think it was a little bit of both. Definitely. Definitely. And yeah. And what's shocking is no one really talks about the massacre that happened at Rwanda or even Bosnia. Yep. Like we had like, we all know about uh, the atrocities that Germany did in World War II. And I'm not going to say, I mean, a life is a life. Like one life is too much, but no one talks about this. No one talks about the Armenian genocide. Like there's so many more horrific um, killings that happened in the name of governments so, and, that no one talks about. And I do think this movie is good, possibly significant, mm-hmm. or culturally significant, for that reason, at the very least. Yeah. At a bare minimum, that's why it's culturally significant, is because it actually sheds a little bit of light on a conflict that, to my knowledge, given I'm not a film buff, but I've rarely heard of any war movies or dramas that focus on the break of Yugoslavia, right. the Bosnia incident, mm-hmm. um, or Kosovo, or any of that. that the whole era in, in Eastern Europe. Um, I mean, you're listing atrocities that are really unknown. You're listing Rwanda and Bosnia and all that. I mean, you've got also the killing fields of Cambodia. You've got the Great Leap Forward of China. Uh-huh. You've got... Um, Oh, gosh, there's a few others I can think of. Um, you can think of the incursion of the Japanese into China during World War II. Mm-hmm. There's actually a movie that I thought of that was probably the saddest movie you'll ever watch. I know it's the saddest I've ever watched. <laughs> like, if you ever want to just sit home and use up, like, multiple boxes of tissue because of how absolutely heartbreaking the movie is, it's called Back to 1942. And okay. it's about a Chinese um, landowner who lose him, him and his family lose everything because the Japanese invade and all these refugees are going across the country, stealing things in their wake as they try and like move away from the incurring Japanese forces. Wow! And meanwhile, the, ja- the Chinese nationalists and Chinese Communist Party are at war with each other in their civil war as the Japanese are coming in. So the country's ripping itself apart. And the story is a true story mm-hmm. told from the perspective of his adopted granddaughter of how he survived. Um, I won't spoil it for you, but... Like it's it is a survival story. Mm. Like I thought of that movie when I was watching those teeny little clips of Owen Wilson trying to survive. Of just like back in nineteen forty two, man, I gotta watch that again. Of just the entire movie, which is almost three hours long. Wow. Is this guy trying to survive as he makes his way as far away from eastern China as he can towards the west, western China? to get away from the civil war, to get away from the Japanese, to get away from the crazed refugees that are all fleeing the conflict with him. Like it's intense and it's amazing. Well-produced. That sounds amazing. It's a great movie. I would say that might be a future syndicate episode. 
I would absolutely love to talk about that movie. <laughs> it's it's a it's a tearjerker. I warn you. The best movies are, in my opinion. <laughs> so to cap out the plot of the movie, so Owen Wilson flies, gets shot down, <laughs> uncovers. He tries to fly. Yeah, he tries to fly, gets shot down, um, pursued by Bosnian forces, uncovers a mystery that no one knew was a mystery, which is the massacre of innocents. And so the driving force for Owen Wilson, other than surviving, is getting back to uh, his ejection seat. Because his ejection seat, because in the backdrop, um, the Serbian forces are trying to reverse engineer the remnants of the fighter jets, yep. but a, a fail safe when during the ejection sequences, the computers get fried, like the whole system gets destroyed. So it's not, you know, taken apart and reverse engineered by enemy nations. So they're trying to figure out because they knew that the camera of the plane was operational and it took photos of their military. So they're trying to get the photos and they're having trouble finding it. They're like, it was stored digitally. Where on earth could it be? And hard cut to the ejection seat that's in the middle of a frozen lake. So not only does Owen Wilson need to go over there to radio back home, but he also needs to get um, those digital photos back to base. So then, then they know what's actually going on in Bosnia. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty good driving force. I, I thought it was a decent plot point uh-huh. that definitely helped move things along. But now that you mentioned that, it makes me think that for whatever reason, the director was trying to tell a super, super condensed hero's journey story. Oh, yeah. Like, that's essentially what he's doing. It's like, mm-hmm. let me tell a hero's journey while at the same time, I'm going to talk about a war movie. At the same time, I'm going to talk about conflict. No one wants to talk about. At the same time, I'm going to tell a redemption story. It's just like, bro, decide what you want to do. Uh-huh. Like that's it. Comes back to this is just the movie's not an, an odd child out. Essentially, they couldn't quite decide what if it wanted to go to med school, or law school, or go work <laughs> at the fast food joint. Like, can't do all three. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I mean, there's like I noticed that with the character too. Like very in the beginning, he's like, oh man, like kind of like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I dream of going to war and fighting. But then when he's on the on the phone with Gene, Gene Hackman towards the end, where he's talking about his buddies, like I shouldn't have left him behind, and this and this, and it's like, it's like, man, it's really feeling like a feeling like a hero's journey. We got our <laughs> to your point. We got our Luke Skywalker moment of. And then got towards the end of the, you know, I understand now I take accountability and yep. I, I should have done this and I'll do it right. Th-, you know, it's just mm-hmm. and then towards the end when he's finally picked up, he's all like, you know, stoic and like, this will, this will make things better. This is what he died for. And da, da, da. And it's <laughs> like, he wouldn't have had to die in the first place if you were freaking <laughs> responsible. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. You were covered intelligence. You still would have been court-martialed. <laughs> I mean, would he though? Would he really he be court-martialed? 100%. 100%. 100%. There's no question about it. You disobey a direct order during a ultra-hot conflict that they've just managed to cool down with a treaty, which, by the way, involves multiple other nations. It's not like we were there alone. This wasn't Iraq and Afghanistan, where we're the force that's there holding things together uh-huh. so we get the say of things. That's not what was happening. We were part of NATO. We were under their umbrella. By us having some rogue fighter go out there, disobey a direct order, he's essentially, whether he liked it or not, representing the entirety of NATO. He's put, put he, he basically like, again, I'm on the, I'm on the side yeah. of like the guy from NATO, the, uh, mm-hmm. the admiral, to try to tell Gene Hackman off, like, this man's endangering an entire peace treaty, and now you're going to make it worse by sending a search and rescue party out behind enemy lines for one dude you're on his side but he is the villain of the story he's not though he's like we can't get involved like oh it he's, is he's just it a is. bureaucrat no an american audience will see him that way just like oh he's just a senseless bureaucrat he doesn't understand the value of life it's like and then gene hackman's like no i have to get our boy back i'm going rogue guys 
No, there, there would have been. There Who's would, with me? There would Fifteen been. men are with him. Right? Let's do it. Like, like, no, there would have absolutely been a court martial or two. That if he would have gone back alive, they just like the real story, the real O'Grady. Uh-huh. They would have <laughs> told him, "Hey, you're on your own. Make your way all the way to a neutral zone." Well, that's three hundred miles away. Doesn't matter. I know Grady didn't get shot down for disobeying orders. He got shot down because I read a little bit of it. They had surface to air missile batteries mm-hmm. installed and dormant. Like they had them turned off. So only when they heard a jet, they would turn them back on. So that way radar couldn't pick them up until they like turned them on for like a short period. Yeah, it was very, very shaped. Like Yeah, that's that's and they were in places wow. that they weren't really supposed to be. So where they were fighting fought, dirty. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who would have imagined? Like he got shot down in a place where he was told to fly. Like his orders were to fly over there and to do reconnaissance. He didn't disobey orders. But sometimes bad luck, shitty situation. But still, even so, they didn't say send out an aircraft carrier and four birds and an and entire platoon of Marines and we're gonna get him back and send the Admiral with as well. <laughs> like, holy crap, this is unrealistic. <laughs> i'm gonna go with them it's like yeah cool not only did we lose a plane two pilots but now you're gonna lose an entire platoon of marines and you're gonna get an admiral killed neat neat who's in charge now the janitor (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm sure this will really justify things oh it would be even cool like if they did a movie where it's like we're gonna get him back and this is like the first act and like the admiral gets killed and then like the whole like battle group it's like what do we do now <laughs> like holy shit <laughs> it's a good thing there's a chain of command <laughs> i'm in charge now fuck <laughs> <laughs> at, at that point you might as well make a freaking adam sadler movie about how the janitor of the aircraft carrier gets to be the admiral for the day goodwill hunting <laughs> oh. But war. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it is a war movie. He's at war with himself. <laughs> um, okay, so... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, it, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's... If I had to give it a rating... I know we're not reviewing movies. Four out of ten. It's, it's, it's not terrible. But it really is not a great movie. So, now we're at the point of the show... Or we like to give one reason why. Why would you recommend someone to watch this movie? <laughs> oh, that's a really tough one. Um, I don't know if I'd actually recommend it. Um, I'd have a hard time justifying it. I would say mm-hmm. that it's an interesting movie to have on the background and perhaps watch as one of the few um, cinematic representations mm-hmm. of one of the conflicts we were involved in, an important conflict in that part of the world that not a lot of people talk about, at least here in the United States. So that's probably the only reason I would really recommend it. And I mean, if you're mm-hmm. if you're a huge like Owen Wilson fan or a huge Gene Hackman fan, maybe as that as well. But even that really, really they don't carry the movie. They don't. They don't. They don't. I I it could have been it could have been um Ben Stiller playing who who owned Wilson was playing. It could have been Adam Sadler. It could have been uh, Bruce Willis. It really could have been anybody. Like the role yeah. he played was not unique. It did not require any like immense amount of range mm-hmm. or character. He wasn't his character or his acting wasn't really given an opportunity mm-hmm. to shine in any kind of way. Right. He was he was he was filling he was filling essentially a very specific archetype yeah and i have a very specific reason why i would recommend this movie which goes in vain of yours but going off of what you just said um i think the movie is kind of like the twilight of war movies where um in the book twilight uh bella oh 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 oh, the actual series i think it's the twilight you're being metaphorical like this twilight (laughs) of war movies of earth damn armand getting metaphorical here but go on (laughs) Oh. No, it's not being zenith. that allegorical. It's the zenith. <laughs> <laughs> it's the zenith of old Wilson war movies, but there's only one. Exactly. So I I hearkened it back to the Twilight books because uh, Bella Swan, the way she's written, yeah. is very generic. Shallow. Like, there's not a whole lot of depth. Well, she's there's two-dimensional. Whole, 
Yeah. Which allows the reader to put themselves into that character. And this, okay, this yeah. goes back to it being basically a big recruitment movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> you could be Owen Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's me. And that's what I would do if I was in this perilous situation. So I think <sighs> Owen Wilson's character and his portrayal of uh, Chris Burnett allows the viewer to put themselves in the situation. And I think the movie in and of itself is not really character-driven, but it's more event-driven. Like you have all these set pieces and you go this way and that way and you're like, Owen Wilson doesn't drive the movie, the events drive the movie and he's along for the ride. And that's that's one of my big like pet peeves Mm -hmm. of media. I often equate bad media and badly created media to ones that follow that formula where the characters are pulled along by um, the universe. They're shaping it around them by them being there yeah. instead of them having this massive world that they're just, they just happen to be stepping into. Mm-hmm. Like the reason star Wars is so engaging rather the ones that are really good is because you feel like the characters are treading within a very expansive world. Right. It just seems like it doesn't end. And no matter what they do, the world moves on without them. The universe keeps going. The sun keeps revolving. Mm-hmm. Um, or rather, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Where meanwhile, some of the more less favorable Star Wars, I won't name which ones, they're not like that. They're written in a way where the characters are larger than life and they're shaping the galaxy around them and everything <laughs> depends on them and it's so important and it's like... This falls flat. This falls flat because you give me no reason to have care for the character. Right. I mean, give me no reason to be interested in the universe. You're essentially making it all about this person. Right. And that's, that to me is the indication of a bad piece of media is when I can tell almost instantaneously that, oh, this character is the most important thing since sliced bread and whatever they do, it's going to shape everything around them. No, thanks. That's it's lazy. It's lazy. It is. And it's following a formulaic process and formulaic story. Formulaic story writing Mm -hmm. is proven to be like a dud. Yeah. Like, I don't know if people just like don't have good imaginations anymore, but they just like, oh, this person is good at everything. And they're perfect. And they they could defeat an empire regular, regular Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. So like the main reason I would recommend behind enemy lines is it's a good conversation starter okay. on a very forgotten piece of recent history. Okay. And a very important thing that we should shed a light on, which is the massacre of a people group, a very bloody war, uh, the toll of what armed conflict can do to a nation and a people group. So I think, yeah, it's a good conversation starter. It's a good like starting point. And then you open up the book and you see exactly what it is. I feel like much like there's a abridged version of the Hobbit that condenses the three movies into one. Um, I feel like this is a movie that could have used an abridged version as well. There's just a lot of things in there that really serve no purpose. And I'm just, I'm trying to shape in my mind. It's a good survival movie that focuses on this period of conflict. Um, You know, what is a really amazing survival movie that I thought of as well while watching this that focuses on a conflict that's not talked about enough. What? Hotel Rwanda. Well, you have Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down's pretty good. Yeah. That's about it. Hotel Rwanda, Black Hawk Down, um, back to 1942. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another movie I'm trying to think of. I can't remember the name off the top of my head where they're like stuck out in the jungle and they're trying to like, they're damned just to survive. Uh, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I was actually talking about that recently with someone. 
about the whole amazing line Robert Downey Jr. says of I'm a dude pretend to be a dude who looks like another dude. <laughs> hey, that's that's timeless. That's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's the only movie you'll get Tom Cruise playing a fat ball Tom Cruise. <laughs> and uh Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. Exactly. He's uh, he was on uh he was on a Joe Rogan podcast recently and Joe mm-hmm. Rogan asked him if in this day and age could you do what you did in Tropic Thunder. And he's just like, why not? Like it's not like He's like I'm per- he's like I'm purposely playing somebody that is mocking the kind of people that see this as acceptable. Mm. That, that was what the whole was. It was the joke that he was Robert Downey Jr. was playing an actor who was acting like he could play a better black person than a black person, <laughs> which has happened before. You have have that that happens before. You've had movies where you've had Asian Americans playing actual mainland chinese people even though he's asian americans have never been to china acting as though they're chinese in a chinese movie about chinese history that's happened and it's just like hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. I, I don't think, like... You don't know what to think of it. If right. the movie's good, you're like, oh, that's really interesting. But if it's not, and they, they feel very unnatural in the roles they're in, then it's like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Behind Me Lines got real Serbs, though. Okay. Um, actually, they did not. Oh. <laughs> because, Speaking of which. <laughs> yeah, because so they filmed in Slovakia, and they felt, given the premise of the movie of like, vilifying uh serbians and bosnians oh, yeah i get some real serbs in there what are you gonna play well you're gonna play your your your, your uncle essentially remember when you killed all those people you're gonna play him uh no i'm not gonna do that yeah it's so. like it's like i already did enough of that never mind yeah. <laughs> i mean i mean i mean i was farming <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they yeah they uh, politely opted out of that movie so no, it's like it's like they didn't get real Germans to play the <laughs> concentration camp guards and uh, saving Private Ryan. I think those are real Germans. Uh, I could probably see or Band of Brothers. I'm thinking not saving. Private oh right, Ryan. right, right. Because yeah, they didn't go to concentration camp and saving Private Ryan. No, they did not. And Band of Brothers, they did. Yeah. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. It was a pleasure. I'm always interested in trying out new things, new movies, new games. If I, especially if I know they're not going to be that good, like, exactly, or they have some sort of significance to them, and I think there is some significance to this movie. It certainly has opened my 
interest of finding more media that focuses on that conflict, but mm -hmm. a huge history buff, so that might also be why. Yeah, I mean, for those that want to learn more about uh, the breakup of Yugoslavia, there's a lot of good documentaries, uh, one of them that uh, Josh mentioned, but if you want a very... If you want a very high <laughs> overview of the conflict, you want to get behind the lines. Yeah, <laughs> get behind behind enemy lines. <laughs> but that's it for this time on Syndicates. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Behind Enemy Lines by John Moore. Please check it out where it is available. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicates on your favorite social media platform. That's Syndicates, C I N E D I C A T E. And if you have any questions about the program or even media that we recommend, please reach out at info at syndicate.com or visit the website, syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. See ya.